0: Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.
1: Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Tonight, or today, or well, it is tonight for us, but it'll be tomorrow, today. So we'll talk about that. Chris Lano, uh, color play by play for the Cajuns. Uh, so Chris, how are we doing tonight?
0: Good, buddy. How are you, man?
1: I'm I, you know, I told you I'm living the dream, except that you know, I'm about to turn the heater on. It's freezing. It's 74 in the house, so not very happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't like the cold. So and you see, and you see, I, I do like the cold. In being outdoors when I'm inside, I prefer being what so. I, I'm like you, uh, I like a more of an inverse effect when I'm inside.
1: Yeah, I think I think there are times that I can handle being outside in the cold, except for that South Alabama game about uh when uh HUD's third or fourth year there. Oh my goodness, that that was miserable cold.
0: So but it, it could not. Have, it couldn't have been as bad as Appalachian State last year, from what I've heard in Boone uh, it, when it was cold. When it was cold and windy. Now, were you able to make that trip?
1: Yes, I was, but I was. Uh, I was in the booth. I was not on the sidelines like Cody. So uh, for the South Alabama game, I was actually. Uh, I wasn't doing uh, helping Jay at the time, so I was actually uh, uh, in the stands on metal bleachers at lad People Stadium. It was miserable. Completely miserable. So, there you go. But let's talk football now. We we I mean we were talking kind of football, but let's talk real football. Cajuns uh versus App State first. We'll we'll go into that. Your your thoughts on the game and then we'll then the second uh part of it we'll take we'll take a look ahead at Arkansas State. So, um so Talk to me here, man. What was your impressions of the Cajuns with with App State visiting?
0: Well, it got off to a rocky start with me. I was driving on my way there after work. Uh, Did not have to call the game. Just wanted to go as a fan, which I very rarely get to do. The last time I've actually been in the stands was against Georgia Southern last year. So that was fun. Um, Got got a little speeding ticket on the way up there. But uh, (laughs) other than that. in in genre, but other than that, it's, um, I guess everything was pretty glorious to follow along, but as far as the game itself, I must say, um, obviously like everybody else caught me by surprise by the way, Louisiana was able to come out to a very fast start. And, And I will say this though, uh, not, not, not to go off on a tangent, completely getting away from the game, but just personally for me, I sat very low in the southwest corner end zone, and when I say low, I mean one row, two rows up, basically. So where I, I had a I was very close to the field at play, and there was a lot of action going along and going along in the south end zone. And I must say, I was very much reinvigorated with the speed of the game. Um, Something that you don't really get a good feel of when you're in the booth. But watching it live down low, I must say, a lot of respect for today's athletes. Very fast, very physical, both from App State and Louisiana. Just something I just wanted to touch on, because we're talking about great athletes that were on the field that game uh, on Tuesday night. Definitely looked like two quality top 25 teams that were just going after one another. Um, Now, as far as...
1: I do agree with Go you, ahead. though. I mean, it is it is very different from being in the stands or down on the field. I remember uh, – Oh,
0: without question.
1: Before I started helping Jay being on the field and, and and going up to App State and being right at the goal line when one of our guys was able to score. And, and the speed of the game is, is so much faster from there, or it feels so much faster. Obviously, it's the same speed, but it feels so much faster when, when you're that It close does. It
0: feels there. so much faster. And I remember back uh, in the end zone when Louisiana was in a goal line situation and I, I'm sitting there watching, I, th- I believe it's number 52, DeMarco uh, Jackson for Appalachian State, who's their middle linebacker, who's all world. I mean, he's very good. I think you can argue he may be the best overall player, not just on defense, but on offense as well. Just the best overall player. He's better at the linebacker position than just about anybody else at their respective position. You, you can make that argument. Is yep. what I'm trying to say. And I remember just trying to read him I, I, on, on one particular play. I'm just watching Jackson just trying to read his keys during the middle of a play. And I'm thinking, man, this, everything's going by so quick. And, you know, he does things to a very high, successful level. It just mad props out to those guys. I mean, the game is fast. The players are very good. Uh, we've got real athletes, uh, a lot of guys that can play on Sundays, uh, in the coming years for this team. Now, going back to the game itself, I I thought it was so pivotal, 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 ah, pivotal for a guy like Levi Lewis to come out strong like the way he did. I think he erased all the doubters for a week at least, but you know, he still did a very good job. He was able to throw the ball down the field, uh, use the middle of the field, which I thought he. We lacked doing the first, let's say, five games of this season uh, in between the hash marks, and just being very decisive, and also finding ways to uh, improvise and extend the play, uh, looking downfield. And you know, I don't really have to say anything more. We all saw it with our own eyes. It was the Levi Lewis we had hoped to see all year, and just my hat goes off to that kid because I know he had to be going through a lot of. Pressure all week of just trying to finally come out and be the guy to finally grab the ball by the horns the one that we all expected so I, I i i'm sure a guy like levi felt immense pressure but he answered the bell comes come tuesday
1: now did you get a chance to watch the replay of the game or no i did not i, I okay. had
0: not to watch any replay well, of the game uh, i just I did record it, and I'll lie. I did watch little bitty excerpts of it, but I didn't watch it from beginning to end in full. I just kind of fast-forwarded just through a few pieces. And all the highlights that I saw on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, I was able to uh, catch up on all that as well.
1: Well, the reason I asked is because I I, I would like to know – I was, I guess, curious about your opinion on the interception because I thought the play before, if the receiver looks quicker – it's a touchdown instead of uh, 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 the ball going through his hands and on even on the interception if he looks a little fat uh, quicker to where that the ball is going to be there I think he beats the defender to the ball uh, so I don't blame that one on Levi and I know a lot of people were, were were going there with that I thought the throw over the middle that he missed was which was was uh, that was behind the receiver was much more crucial, more of a miss than, than the other two passes. And you were in the opposite end zone, so that's why I asked if you watched the replay.
0: Well, I, I will say this. Just from watching it live, I blame Levi in this sense. It, it is you, – you, you, I put the onus on him because when you're in the red zone, your number one goal – when you're in the road zone from a quarterback position is you don't give the defense any opportunities to make a play to turn the ball over. And yes, you're right. Where I think the, the wide receiver could have turned around earlier and played a little bit of defense and maybe incorporated a little office on making the play. Um, that being said, it the ball was thrown in a position where the Appalachia state quarterback was able to make a play. And you don't, you cannot allow that if you're trying to go over the top, Especially in a fade um, situation that Levi was trying to, uh, I, I guess, I- encounter. So, yep. it, it, the ball was a little bit underthrown. But you're right; if the receiver was had was a little bit more, I guess, um, cognizant of the situation of where the ball was, then yes, he could have made a play on it. And the cornerback may have not intercepted it. But Levi gave the corner an opportunity to make a play because it was slightly underthrown, and that's. The golden rule: you cannot do that in the red zone.
1: Yeah, I, 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 mean, I can go with all that. I'm just, I'm just, like I said, just kind of curious as what, uh, um, uh, what your thoughts were. But uh, uh, the let's, let's, let's move on from Levi. I mean, 15 for 25, 209 yards. It's not, uh, I mean, once the game, I mean, got out of hand there. Uh, I, I think it really came down to before we switch to the defense side of the ball, which. Uh, I I, I do want to talk to you about the running back. So with Montrell Johnson and Chris Smith and Imani Bailey, uh, I think the game was shocking that they got the yards and not only the yards, but the production of the yards, you know, 7.4 yards a carry, 6.3 yards a carry were just all amazing to me.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And we get the depth chart every week. We look at it. It's posted on social media and we see every week it's Chris Smith, Amani Bailey and Montreal Johnson, but it really doesn't matter what that Jepsen um, is slated because we understand that you know it's it's whoever's night it is on that particular day that is going to get the bulk of the carries and just whoever has the hot hand. And really, as we've seen all year, it's been mostly Montreal Johnson. And I mean, this man is just. And I listened to your segment with. Uh, Danny Reed uh, over with Georgia Southern. And yep. I, I like the point that he made, you know, even he's aware of just Montreal Johnson and how special he is. And I'm sure everybody else is around the Sun Belt, around the league. Um, if they don't, I, they I do now. Comment, <laughs> well, and, and, you know, Craig, I made the comment to some guys at work the other day, if there was ever time travel and you had to rewind the clocks back one year, but that being said, still knowing what happened in the future tense, there's nobody, let's say an LT or anybody allow Montreal Johnson sign would you. well. he's that good? And I think he's a cat that can play just about anywhere, and he's proven that.
1: And I think you, I think that that stable of back so goes back to, uh, I mean, a long ways. But but I, but but at the same time, uh, Elijah, Elijah, uh, Maguire, you know, is the same and, and, thing. And I
0: think. And- Yeah, and I think, not to cut you off, I think Elijah McGuire, what he was able to do his freshman year, is the only one that's comparable. Uh, As far as what they did coming out of high school, uh, it's Elijah McGuire, and I still give Montreal Johnson the edge. I think what he's doing is even better than what Elijah McGuire was able to do on the football field. Everybody else, it took him a little while, like the Alonzo Harris's, even the Trey Ragus and Elijah Mitchell's. You know, and Elijah Mitchell is our highest drafted player of all yep. of them. And he was nowhere near the impact player, as you see from Montrell Johnson. And now, now take it, I do believe that Montrell Johnson has the benefit of a better offensive line than Mitchell and Regas did when they came out. But still, just the style of running. And when you look at the guy on the sidelines, and this is what I'm able to do as well, being a fan, being close to the field, I'm just watching him walk off onto the sidelines. And I'm looking at him, and then I look at my buddy next to me, and I'm thinking, that cat was in high school last year. I mean, he, he if you had told me that, oh, see that guy number four down there? Yeah, he's a uh, he's a fifth-year senior. I would have said, okay, yeah, I believe that. You know, just the way he's already developed into his man body, and you know he has not reached his peak maturity level physically, he's only going to get better. And to me, that's what's scary.
1: Well, I think the guys that we have, uh, and I'm still high on Amani Bailey, and he showed that at the end of the the game. I still think there's room for him. He showed a lot last year. Uh, I think he's got the speed. I think he's got the tools too. So, I mean, I, I just like the way Napier over the last three years, even like you said, there's no real number one, number two, number three. And, and it was almost, it was almost comical, you know, the, the year that that I was, uh, helping you with the depth charts. I mean, he, it was like, he was rotating, uh, Regis and Mitchell, on, on whoever was one that week, you know, it was like the next week, the other one was number one back. Yeah. So, but, uh,
0: right. yeah. I, I remember, I remember Raymond Kale actually specifically getting starts the first running back coming yeah. out into the huddle to start games. You're right. You're absolutely right. So, but it, he, he's got a way to use the backs in. And, and I think that goes back to, uh,
1: uh our, our recruiter there, the back, uh, shoot running back coach. I see his face.
0: Jaluki.
1: Yes. Jabbar Jaluki. Uh, Jabbar uh, Jaluki. Jaluk. Yeah, uh, I I think he's done a wonderful job not only recruiting but to get these guys to buy into the system because you know as a you're a former player so you know if you're not getting playing time it's very easy to see some guys sulking on the side that that think they should be in and it's like well if you think you should be in go out and do something. So
0: uh, and not only that, t- times are different now these days where if you're not getting the playing time and you think in the back of your mind uh, that ego sends, mm-hmm. tends to take over and you think you should be playing, you know, there's a transfer portal now these days that exists that it allows you to transfer and not miss any time uh, that th- that be. And so yep. and th- you got to take <laughs> that. And I think, Craig, I think that changes Man, we're, I was talking to uh, somebody about this a few weeks ago, and, and he made a very good point. He believed that the transfer portal changes the way coaches coach during games and game because you have to somewhat keep your your thoroughbreds or just your players that you that you can rely on in the years to come happy. I, I, and I, I think he made a good point. I think I'm not saying that in the sense where you need to start this guy, but you do need to add more playing time than maybe this player because you. You can't afford to lose him. Whereas that player may believe in his mind, man, I could be a full time starter, not sharing any time if I go elsewhere, this place. You just never know what goes in the minds of 19 to 20 year old kids with their, you know, they could be very egotistical in that sense. So I think to some small degree, it does change a little bit of the way these coaches have to do in game management.
1: Yep. I agree. And we saw it kind of that way with, uh, baseball last year with the expanded roster and everything i mean it was hard to, to satisfy you know i at first i thought well this is going to be awesome we've got extra players we've got extra pitchers and i think it ended up hurting us because the guys didn't get the playing time that they felt they should and quite honestly though uh if you feel like you should be playing more go out and prove it i mean i think there's so but um uh, I don't need to go there anymore. You you know what it's like. And, and I agree with you. I think the, the transfer portal, I think can be a benefit to us. So, um, but you, you mentioned the offensive line. Can we go there a little bit because the, the the guys have been decimated all year. I think we're without five guys. I think only one of them's a starter, but at the same time, when you have to move one guy from one position to another position, you're really without two starters. So, but, uh, there's not a whole lot of depth that we had there in the past, but I thought they did a, a great job.
0: Well, you're buffering a little bit on that oh. last little, uh, that last little point that you made when you were segueing from, uh players transferring especially in oh, baseball okay. to the offensive of line but I, I'm, I'm just going to take over thinking that you just left it with the offensive of line i'm hoping you didn't ask me anything in between nope. but uh, you're right as far as the offensive of line i think you, you're starting to see a unit now gel uh really there, there hasn't been much change over from last year but we can all agree the biggest change was losing rob sale at that coaching position that leader in the household that one that uh, has been around since billy napier has arrived and He, and as we talked about, we've harped on this before. There is a reason why he is in the NFL. And I I think that kind of took a toll at the beginning of the year. Just maybe we were having an identity crisis of what we were trying to be uh, from an offensive line standpoint. We've had a little hiccup with losing Carlos Rubio early on, coming back and forth with injury. Now you know he's going to be out for a few weeks. But overall, you saw an offensive line, I think, this past week finally answered the bell and uh, hopefully they can now gel together as one unit going forward as uh, the Sunbelt season progresses. So, But uh, but when you have a quarterback like Levi Lewis who can improvise and use his, use his feet to where you know the play is going to prolong and extend, it changes the way you block from, from the offensive line standpoint. I think they're starting to realize that.
1: Hey, you there still?
0: a very good uh, defensive front from Appalachian state who likes to get after the cornerback. They've shown that in years past. I thought they did a very good job.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I think it's a huge difference. At, uh, the offensive line being able to practice together intact versus, Hey, this guy's hurt in the middle of the game. Now we're going to shuffle you all around. I mean, and I know it's not all of them, but you know, it's enough of them that they have to shuffle. It doesn't bode well for the offense. So, um, I, I thought coming into the game, I thought two two emphases were going to be the uh the play of the offensive line, which did their job, and then the linebackers. What's your thought on the defensive side of the
0: ball? I thought it was outstanding. I think the one thing that they were they did very well, and it hasn't really been talked about the past week, is they stayed in their lanes from a defensive front position. They did not try, they stayed in their and they did not allow the quarterback for Appalachian state to get out of the pocket. They kept them in the pocket. And what you saw throughout four quarters, that pocket just continued to condense and condense and condense where he finally was lost in the shuffle. And he, he sometimes he would just try to, to scrape out and try to find an opening where because there was no openings, we were able to tackle them in, in the backfield. And other than that, he had a hard time seeing down the field. And I think that looked like the game plan going in because of what I saw. There were many times, and we've shown this in the past, where we our speed rushers in Chauncey Manack and Andre Jones, I mean, a lot of times you see them get on the edge and just try to rush the pass. But what they did was they tried to keep a bull going and just condense the pocket. And I think that made the world of difference. It kept the quarterback in the pocket. And, you know, tried to make him beat, tried to make Appalachian State beat you by not expanding the play by scraping along the sidelines. And I think that's where uh, they have been very, um, very effective in games past. And I I, I think to me, that just looked like the game plan going in. As far as tackling, I thought the secondary and the linebackers did an excellent job of tackling. You didn't see too many missed tackles on the field. Uh, so th- I thought that was very promising to see. And just overall, it just looked like a defense that has been called out all week and really did a nice job against a good Appalachia State offense.
1: Well, been called out for a while now. I mean, the first two games, I, I thought the, the tacking- tackling was horrendous and we weren't able to, uh, to hold anything down there. So I thought, I thought this was a, a-, a good sign. I, th- I think by far the best game they played. Uh, it reminded me, I don't know, if I- I've said this on a couple of podcasts now, uh, of the Arkansas State game, I think 2015 when we went up to Arkansas State and, uh, and totally dominated that team, uh, this, this is what it reminded me of. So,
0: uh, And when I say called out, I mean, oh, to I be don't... more specific, I, I mean like third down rate and uh, just holding Appalachian State 0 for 11 on third down. I mean, I didn't realize that till I looked at the stat sheet that night when I was driving back in, just just to kind of get a feel of what had happened, what my eyes had seen. And I, I, when I saw a fat zero there, I mean, I, I almost had to look twice. I did not realize that at the time. And the reason why I was, I was a little forgetful because they had to convert on a few fourth down plays. Yeah. Two for so two on fourth down. I mean, that was still. great to see. I mean, I, I
1: just two for two on fourth down, but, yeah, 0 for 11 on, on, on third down. And not only that, the Cajuns were above 50%, eight for 15 on third down conversions, and one one for one on fourth down. So pretty nice uh, set there for us.
0: And that's the formula for success right there. Yeah. There's no question.
1: Well, let's take our break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk Arkansas State here next. You're listening We're Talking with Craig Melanson and Chris Lano. Welcome back in. And we're talking tonight, Craig Maloss on Chris Lano. Uh, Chris, you've seen a lot of football, whether it's a player or announcer. Now, uh, this Arkansas State team that's coming up, it, I don't know that it's a trap game necessarily because it, it all depends how you define trap game. Uh, one, you know, that you're looking ahead to the next one, but to me, we've had we've had a pretty good break now in between. Things have settled down after the App State victory. What, what do you what do you think about this game here?
0: You know, but here's my take of it. You say trap game, and I think in a normal circumstance uh, for 90-something percent of the head coaches out there, you would say that. But it just feels like with Billy Napier, because from what I've been able to see for the past three years, he's not susceptible to trap games. I, I think he makes sure he, – he does a very good job of just – keeping his players poised of understanding the situation at hand. And it's a weekday game to me. I think and to some sense, there could be more focus on a weekday game. Uh, you're on the road. And I think when you're on the road, there are a lot of times where you, you, you have nothing to focus on, but the game at hand to that can play in your favor. Jonesboro. It's a dry County. It's a miserable County. There's nothing to do out there. So it is really nothing to do, but think about football when you get there. So I I look at it from, you know, it's a game I think that's going to be served well on a platter for this team to handle. I think they're going to handle it well. It's a veteran savvy squad in Louisiana. I feel like these players have been playing since Billy has arrived, and I feel like they're going to be playing all together for the next five years, it seems like um it's, it's like yeah. none of them ever graduate you ever <laughs> noticed that like the past three years like they just, they just don't graduate they, they just they just hang they just stick around they hang around especially on defense I've been calling these defensive players names out for three years and like they still have three more years left in their eligibility it seems like <laughs> yeah but anyways anyways it's just Arkansas State football team I only had a Coastal Carolina game to go off of that took place a week ago you're still laughing about what I said about these players eligibility
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways. I, I, I'm thinking but of anyways. Barnes he was, it really was here for feel like that um, it got his masters
0: oh, oh yeah Barnes was here for, for seven years and uh, <laughs> who was the deep snap I think we lost did we lose you there he, he was there for his eighth year. Oh yeah. A spot I only have the coastal. I have the coastal Carolina game to go off of because that's the game I was able to watch on television. And other than the fact that I thought Lane Hatcher came in and played much better, really gave Arkansas State a spark on offense. Their receivers could not catch a deep ball, you know, to save their lives. And, you know, I thought that really just uh hampered the offense i think that game could have been much more of a game if they would have just caught footballs that would throw right into their bread baskets. and I, I thought that was pretty glaring that they don't really have the skill players especially on the at, at the wide receiver position i mean we're looking at the kirk merritt's and there were other great wide receivers that came through uh, for Arkansas State the previous years, there's nobody now. They don't have that alpha male at the wide receiver position that they used to have. So it's not uh, the Arkansas State team that I've been used to for the past three or four years on the Blake Anderson. On defense, they can't stop anything. I mean, they can't stop anybody. And if this Louisiana team doesn't have at least 400 yards of total offense, shame on them. Um, I mean, it's like taking a, uh, uh, a knife through hot butter or or a hot knife through butter, whatever the phrase is. I mean, as far as just gashing up the line of scrimmage, you know, I think the running attack should be able to do that, uh, with ease on Thursday. And that's the fan coming out of me, not so much the analyst, but the fan just kind of speaking for, uh, me at this point, but really, I, I think, uh. For Arkansas State, I really think Louisiana, because it's a right. Uh, with the right mindset. And I, I, I really think you're going to see a fast start all the way from the first quarter to the fourth uh, against this team. And I hope I hope so, because you got to keep this momentum going. Yeah, the game game
1: to me, the game is important for several reasons. One, I think we got to keep rolling. But uh, at the same time, the, the Cajuns are nine and ten up in Jonesboro. So get that record to 500 in Jonesboro. I know Billy doesn't care about that side of it because he wasn't there for all of them, but you know, Billy is still yet to lose a, a, uh, a Western conference game. So uh, I, uh, I I just don't see it happening this week. Um, We were so used to, like you said, the receivers coming out of, uh, out of Jonesboro and now this year they don't have anything. It's, it's I, I've watched three or four of their games and uh, I tell you, I had to look away. It's, it's not pretty at all. So. Um,
0: no, and they're trying, they're having an identity crisis. They're trying to figure out who they are. Butch Jones is in his first year. So it, it takes, it's going to take some time. It's, you know, it's, it's really stage zero right now for Butch Jones and that yeah. team. So. I mean, you can't really make anything of what they're trying to, Travel and you got to travel. Uh, you you got to be able to, to know how to travel to a, a town like that. You know, it's it's it can be difficult in that sense because you just sometimes you just don't even know where the hell you are. And well, uh, I just remember I remember taking those trips out there. and They were miserable. They were miserable. And we were able to come away with the win, I believe, for one of those two times that we played out there. Other than that, the last time the other time I played out there in Jonesboro, it was complete shellacking a total shellacking and it was embarrassing. So I know what it feels like uh, to go up there against a good Arkansas state football team. That's when they had character, the uh, bills defensive end who was a, like a high draft pick. I remember at that time, you know, very good player. He was just all over the field, just demolishing our offensive line. And uh, they had good players. And, but you know, it's not the same as it was years past, but still it's, it's a rival game. It's, it's a Sun Belt Conference West game, and as we all know, what Billy says, they those games count as double. So it's, it's very important It's pivotal to, to continue uh, with that momentum going forward.
1: Well, I know the last three trip, trips up there and this one too, the team uh, flies in and out of Memphis, stays in Memphis. So uh, uh, I think is it, it can be good or bad. It, I think it's been fine and it's familiar to them. So I think that helps. And like you said, most of these guys have been around now for their ninth and 10th season. So they should be used to staying in Memphis and the trip up there. So, um, but any last words of wisdom or anything, I got to ask you though, you're no longer living in Houston. Are you still an Astros fan?
0: You know, my wife and I, we watched the game together. I believe it was Saturday night and we had a great time because one of our fonding memories, and this is something we have, we get to carry forward for the rest of our lives. Wanted to tell our grandkids is we attended game seven back in 2019. And that was such a joyous moment. That really was. And I remember waking up that morning, not even knowing I was going to attend that game against the Washington Nationals just leaning over on the side of the bed and telling her, listen, for the rest of our lives, we may never have a Game 7 in our backyard. we got to go to this game, which we did. And we were Astros fans before that, you know, because we were indulged with Astros people uh, yeah. wherever we were. And, and and honestly, it felt like a home team to me. Even, I'm not saying that I understand what you're thinking Well, you were, you were living in, in Houston. But, you know, I mean that in a sense that I felt like, you know, I, 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 develop, I truly developed a fandom for the Astros, which – I can't really say for any other – I can't really say for the Texans or for the Rockets, but for the Astros. I and mean, I think really, Craig, and kind of follow me – try to follow along when I'm trying to, to describe this. When I got there in 2010, that's when the rebuilding mode began with the uh, just starting back up in the farm system, and they were able to redraft and build up their farm systems. And it that took about a five-year process. And because I felt like I went through that with them when I was living in Houston, I felt like that was more my team because I went through those years uh, living in Houston. So I I felt like in a a sense that, you know, I kind of earned that in a way to cheer for this team because I went through those those dog years where only Altuve was the common denominator from the very beginning. Um, So, I I mean, that was fun. That was exciting. And I wish them well. I hope they – I hope they uh, meet the Dodgers in the World Series. I think that would be fun for me and Jay, and uh, you know, but Jay's more of a Dodger guy than I am an Astros guy, so I give him that. But you know, I I, I, I I pull for them, and I hope they win. And uh, looking forward to watching the game, uh, game three that is, when we hang up.
1: No, I get it. I get it totally because you know, at the same time, New Orleans doesn't have a baseball team, and you were living in Houston. You know, why when, when I moved to Indianapolis in two thousand uh or or 99 i forgot 99 98 somewhere in there uh it was peyton manning's first year and Mm -hmm. i was like well you know the, the the colts were not in the saints division or or they were afc versus nfc so i'm like you know peyton's from new orleans i'm from new orleans so i i i got season tickets and they were in kind of a rebuilding mode at the same time and uh but I, I can tell you, though, when, when, the, when the Saints played the, uh, the, the Colts in the Super Bowl, there was no doubt where my loyalty was. Well, there were to the people that showed up my party at first. I had a Colts shirt on, <laughs> and uh, I said, come on in, guys. And they're like, oh, we thought you'd be pulling for the Saints. I said, oh, no, I live here in Indiana now. You know, I'm pulling for the Colts. I said, but go on inside. There's some gumbo. There's some red beans. There's some jambalaya. Help yourself. Plenty of bourbon, whatever you guys want. And then as soon as the game started, I pulled that Colt shirt on, and I, often I threw it at them, and I had my Saint shirt underneath them, and I said, screw all you little bastards. I said, go Saints. You
0: know. Karma. So, I love it. I love it. That's good I stuff. Said,
1: and and he, one last thing, they were uh, at halftime, you know, the Saints were down. I, I said, come on, guys, let's take a picture with all your Colt shirt and me with the own Saint guy here. I said, take a picture because this is going to be the last time y'all are going to be happy tonight. And uh, it worked <laughs> out great. So, well, man, my brother, thank you so much. Uh, you guys are going to make it into the game this weekend? Or Well, no, I guess it's not this weekend. I'm thinking of homecoming. So we we started talking about that We're off air. So.
0: I I think the wife plans because we're living in a new neighborhood and we want to become more acquainted with our neighbors. And it's a good point. My wife wants to stay in and do trick or treating with everybody around. It's a good opportunity for us to meet a lot of people around here. So but that being said, I mean. This 11 was a wrinkle plan to me. I may come in for the game and just head back. We will see. And I will we'll be sure to update you, Craig, when I when I decide to do whatever <laughs> it is I decide to do. Well,
1: I know we're going to talk again. We'll talk again after this, uh, sometime after this Arkansas State game and before the next game. We can do the same thing if you've got time. So, we'll all always right, appreciate my brother. It. Thank you so much. We've been listening. We're talking Craig Melanson and Chris Lano.